Today, we are talking with Kristen Felder from Collision Hub. Kristen had several sessions, actually a full day of sessions at the Southeast Collision Conference and talked about a whole bunch of different topics that we're going to chit-chat about today. One of those being communication. What are some skills and techniques that you at your shop can be using to maximize communication to get the sale and get what you want? Stay tuned. Welcome to Body Bangin', your podcast for all things body. Auto body, that is. And now, introducing Body Bangin's host, Mickey Woods of Mickey Woods Marketing. Mickey is a former auto collision center owner and is now a marketing and business development expert to shops across the globe. Hey, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Body Bangin' Podcast. I am so pumped that I have on today Kristen Felder. Yay, Kristen Felder. Woo-hoo. <laughs> From yeah, Collision Hub. Cheering section. So. Yes, there you go. Uh, Kristen, we're... We're not live broadcasting, but we're recording from the Southeast Collision Conference out in South Carolina. Kristen was there for a full day of training on Thursday, had a session last night. We'll do some more today. There's so many things we could talk to Kristen about because she's just like, says so much great information. But we're going to chat. A lot. <laughs> she talks a lot. But we're going to talk today on the session she did last night specifically because. It's my favorite title of the whole show, and it's Shut Up, (laughs) Uh, Consumer Communication and Sales. But I love it. I think it's so applicable, Kristen. I'll let you kind of take it away. Yeah. So what we did is I always tell people that you have to be careful when someone gives you numbers, like survey numbers, like Mm. 65% of consumers say this or whatever. Because you have to, there's a lot of things you have to know in a survey, like how many people were surveyed and of those many, who were they? And um, there's a big difference between surveying 50 Tesla owners versus 50 Kia owners about their survey experience. But, and then who paid for the survey? Because I mean, as as someone that does market research for companies, you never want to give who paid you to do a survey back a whole lot of bad news. So sometimes we put biases in in what we do, but we, we, when COVID started to kind of come out, uh, we went back and sat down with there's, you know, Accenture is a huge company. They do tons of consumer market surveys mm-hmm. and they had talked to 24,000 consumers. And we just really wanted to kind of take the temperature of, of where, where is the American consumer, which we all deal with consumers and we are consumers mm-hmm. post COVID and specifically in the collision repair industry, we're real good at applying our own biases. I mean, mm. we, we want the consumer to think our way. And a lot of us think that if we can just educate the consumer about the collision repair process, that that will magically make them want to let us fix their car, mm. fight for OEM parts, all of those things. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you for how many years people have said, Kristen, you should make a consumer education series of videos. So when we looked at the consumer data, really that's the shut up thing kind of came in. We're, mm. There's a lot of trauma in general, and there's a lot of trauma that's a hangover after COVID. And mm-hmm. the American consumer is just struggling with a lot of things, and we're all struggling with economy, and and things just seem to pile on. And yeah. they don't need to carry our burden. And we like to do that. Yeah. They come in the shop and they say, I'm here for a repair, and they tell us their insurance company, and we go, oh, it's gonna you're going to have a problem. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have out-of-pocket expenses. And right. we we add to their trauma. We're, we're basically asking them to carry our own fight. We want an insurer to do a specific thing. And I, I was that insurer. Mm-hmm. And we think it's our job to 
get the consumer riled up to fight for us or with us. And Mm -hmm. the consumer data right now just doesn't support that. In fact, if we do that, we're probably going to run them off. And, And I always tell people, I would love to come up with a different story because a lot of what I sell and do is a is about that whole experience of taking the insurance company on. But in a post-COVID environment, that's just not the way to handle the consumer. So we talked about a little bit more how to how to deliver service in stages, how to mm-hmm. allow the customer to absorb what's going on. It is a trauma experience. Yeah. Um, and they need us to love them a little more than to talk to them technical. So yeah. you're trying to explain OE procedures and all of that. I'm not giving them what they're needing from me. I'm telling them what I want them to know. And so we had to separate that back um, and give the shops some conversation skills on how to to get the customer to tell you what they need Mm -hmm. and then just shut up and give them what they need. Yeah. That's the secret to success. Just give them what they need. Yeah. Well, I feel like that could be taught in all relationship courses. (laughs) You know, there's a lot to be said. So we talk a lot of times about, I'm a foster parent and Mm -hmm. a temporary foster hold. And there's Mm -hmm. a lot of the same skills that you use in dealing with kids from trauma and relationship Mm -hmm. skills and even like marriage counseling skills that are the same with, with, you know, dealing with consumers. And the bottom line is humans are humans. Yeah. And, and we're just in the world of collision repair. I am a human. Mm-hmm. Trying to talk another human into giving me their keys so mm-hmm. that I can fix their car. Yeah. Um, and so it, it really just comes out of those communications and taking our agenda off the table, which I'm one of those people that comes to the table immediately with an agenda. Mm-hmm. I, it's just, I, I have my agenda and you have to learn for the consumer. I got to take that agenda off the table because they're not, they're not in a space to handle that. They just yeah. need it's going to be okay. Right. I, that's it. That's all I want to know. Right. So in your class that you did last night, was it more, were you giving them word tracks or kind of like how to read people? Because I've... Yeah, so you've got two hours. That's what I, you know, I always tell people it's a it's a one-week psychology course and we're going to narrow it down to two yeah. hours. Yeah. So we, we set up the, I go through the Accenture research of what the consumers said they wanted, what they mm-hmm. felt businesses should be doing for them mm-hmm. in a post-COVID environment. And then we talked about there's six key conversational skills. And that mm-hmm. if I can lead with these, if, you know, we, it's real easy to be biased towards somebody you don't know. Yeah. So the more impersonal I make something, if if you don't have a name, if if you're not Mickey, yeah. If you're just like, I don't like people that do podcasts. It's real easy to say I don't like this. It's hard to say I don't like Mickey. Like we were right. like, but I like Mickey, right? Right. So the more yeah. the more personal that we make things, the 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 better we get to know people. The more empathy that we have. Of course. Yeah. And we've gotten into this industry where our relationships with the consumers are very transactional. They're mm-hmm. also becoming impersonal because we think technology is what we need. I need a texting service. I need a messaging service. I need to be hands off so that I can do more of this. And we really need to be more hands on. So yeah. I need to spend more time talking to the consumer. And we gave them some conversation skills because I'm like, I promise you, when you get to know them, you'll do your job better. Yeah. It'll just be natural, but you'll do your job better when you get to know them. When when that customer, I tell all the shops we consult, when the customer leaves your lobby, I want you to be able to tell me three things about them. Mm. And it can't be about the car. I want you to tell me three things about them. And if you can just get to where you can tell me three things, I promise you're going to service them better. Yeah. I promise they're going to mean more to you. It's going to be like yeah. taking care of your mom's car at that point. But if it's just the Camry, <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter to me. So I have to make it not the Camry. I have to make it Mary who owns the Camry. That's what right. I got to do. 
Yeah, it's funny you say that because as you were talking, I was thinking of so many shops I've worked with and they don't refer to the guest by name. It's the 97 Cadillac, you know, it's the it's the vehicle. And yeah. it's interesting because it's like it's totally taking the the personality, the relationship out of it. Like you said, it just becomes transactional. It's what we got to do for the process and the procedures and it's like, I feel like we're missing something here. <laughs> when, I was, when I was a kid growing up, my dad used to joke that he, he can't remember people's names, but he could remember every car he worked on. Ah. Um, and he was right because he was a tech and that was that was how he saw the world. His filter was the vehicle and the right. time and energy that he put fixing the car. Yeah. And it, to be successful, to actually interface with a customer, but not be the technician in the back to fix the car, then I have to connect with a customer. And that's why we have two roles. We have a front office in the shop and we have a back office. My back techs can refer to everything like a car. My right. front office, everything is a person. Right. And, and we do that. Like we'll call an insurance company for a supplement. And, bef- and as soon as the adjuster answers, we give them the claim number. We just, we we don't personalize anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and we go through our morning meetings. It's all a, a make model car or a year model of a car. Right, right. And we've forgotten it. And we've let technology, because of the way a management system serves us up our NQ or in-process work, we lost our touch points, I think, on our side, and we've trickled that over to losing touch points with the customer. But the only thing I have to offer that makes me different, everybody's got a frame machine. Everybody's, yeah, got, a right. everybody's got certificates that they can hang on the wall or certifications that they can hang on the wall. The only thing that makes me different is me in the front right. office. Is the human nature or the human aspect that I give to another consumer. Yeah. And, if, and if I'm not giving anything different, then there's no reason for the consumer to connect with me. I might as well connect with the insurer because I have more tangible connections to the insurer than I do to the body shop. Yeah, I think one of the statistics last night, the shops were surprised to hear is in the insurance side, we used to survey customers to see how long they remember the name. These were the DRP shops. Okay. Because if we were going to have DRP relationships as an insurer, we wanted to control the relationship. Yeah. We wanted the loyalty of the consumer and we thought, well, if we're just sending them straight to a body shop, gonna, we're going to lose the loyalty. Right. And if I lose the loyalty, I'll lose my market share and, and then, you know, all this. So we studied that a lot. And the, the results were four months after a repair, just four. Mm-hmm. The consumer can't remember the name of the body shop that fixed the car. Wow. And that's, we didn't make a personal connection. We right. transactionally serviced that repair and we might've done it very well. We might've got a 10 on our CSI score. Right. But we weren't memorable. Yeah. And I can't be memorable. I'm not sustainable. Totally. Um, so, you know, we, I think we've talked technically too long to this industry. We, mm-hmm. It's probably time to stop. And I'm guilty because I'm I'm the let's talk OE repairs and procedures. <laughs> and whatever. Right. But it's probably time to just start talking human mm-hmm. again. Let's just focus on being humans and we'll, we'll sort the rest out later. Yeah. I love that. Hey. Would you like to increase the number of cars in your drive? Well, look no further. The Mickey Woods marketing team provides collision center specific marketing. We use proven techniques to not only increase your sales, but put money in your pocket. Visit us at collisioncentermarketing.com or you can find my personal contact information in the show notes. And let's get your 2022 off to a body banging start. Well, and you had talked about, I have like a little synopsis of kind of what you talked about in your thing last night. And one thing I put like a little star on was 
what you write is irrelevant. What you collect is everything. So a total pivot from like relationship, I I think, into uh, I'm assuming writing up an estimate. Yeah. So a, a lot of us focus in this industry on what are the lines on the estimate? What's the insurance company going to, you know, what, what are they going to pay? What do I need to write? But at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is, is what I can collect. I can write an estimate that's, that's amazing. And it can be technically correct. It can follow the guide to estimating. It can follow the OEM procedures. But if no one wants to pay me that estimate, all of that work and time and energy is mm. or not. Mm-hmm. So to sell, to get paid, to write an estimate is technical. That's what I always tell people. You have to you have to know the car and you have to know the systems. And you have to know that's a technical. Getting paid is personal. Mm. Um, and when someone decides that they want to give you money, which really we can all say the consumer owes the bill, and, and I'm a big fan of that. But mm. the consumer is not going to write me a huge check. They don't have it. It's not like they don't want to. But most people they say don't even have four hundred dollars in their savings account right now, and I want them to write mm. me a two thousand dollars short pay. Right. Whatever. Right there is a third party bill payer that I need to pay and I need that third party bill payer to decide that, that they want to pay me, which Mm. means they need to like me or Mm -hmm. they need to be able to want to have a conversation with me. And that's personal. That's human Mm -hmm. to human is how you get paid. Technical is how you write. Right. Personal and human is how you get paid. And if, when shops go to the table, trying to be technical, here's my procedures. Here's my OEM Mm -hmm. position statement. Here's all these things. They're trying to have a technical conversation with a human and the human brain can't sort those two things out. Mm, interesting. So w- when I want the yes for the check, I got to get personal and emotional. Yeah. And I got to make a connection. You got to want to pay me. If you don't like me, you don't want to give me money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. that's just the way it works, right? Yeah. Um, and it, once you shops get that, they're like, oh. So why do some shops get paid for everything they want and some shops never get paid for everything they want? It typically doesn't come down to that, that they have some magical, technical, or legal secret. Mm-hmm. It's, I always tell people, just be nice. You're you're not nice. This guy's nice. I'm yeah. going to give this guy money, right? So right, it. right. Yeah, I wish it was t- more technical. I could, I could sell something. I could sell you a program, and get you paid <laughs> yeah. more. But unfortunately, I mean, it's always a just be nice. You know, there's there's always the need sometimes for the bad cop, and I think mm-hmm. that's what Larry and I do really well together. Good cop, bad cop, kind of thing. But yeah. Um, good cop wins more than bad cop wins. Right. Well, yeah. And I see it in shops all the time is the estimators and the managers that have a good relationship with the insurance reps, whoever they are coming yeah. out. They're like, oh, I, I don't think that they're that bad. Like we get along really well. Well, it really talks to your point. Well, because they're getting along with them. So it's making the whole process so much easier. Even if there is pushback, that communication is a lot softer and more gentle when you are getting along and actually maybe even like that person. (laughs) I mean, there's, there's, there's some people in our life that no matter what they say, we instantly don't like what they say. I mean, they right. can be completely, the sky is blue and we'll be like, no, it's not. It's turquoise. Just yeah, because yeah. that person said it. But I had a yeah. shop one time to come to my classes and he was really upset. He was, it was a struggle. Every single estimate to get paid. He was five to $7,000 difference between him and the insurer. Wow. You know, and he came to me with a stack of, here's all the technical things I think this particular insurer is doing wrong. And he went through his list and I said, hey, tell me, tell me three things that you know, know about this adjuster. <laughs> Uh-huh. Well, I don't know about this adjuster. So, okay, well, here's what I'm going to tell you. Adjusting is the worst job I ever had. I hated being an adjuster. Yeah. Right? I arranged my day by who hated me less. Oh, so I wanted, my last inspection of the day was who I wanted to think that was going to yell at me the least so I could yeah. end my day on a good note. That's right. how I it. Right? Nobody likes the adjuster. So yeah. next time you see him, 
I want you to learn three things about him. And call me mm-hmm. back. I don't care what, how he pays or how it goes. Learn three things and call me back. Yeah. So about a week later, he calls me back. I answer the phone. He goes, holy crap. I go, what do you mean? What happened? What went wrong? He goes, he just paid my estimate in full. I went, wait, what? He goes, he came out to look wow. at it. I didn't talk to him about the claim. I asked him some questions. I learned, you know, how long he's been with the particular insurance company mm-hmm. that he's got a daughter in college. She plays volleyball. He was leaving that weekend to go to the volleyball game. Um, and then as he was leaving, he just said, yeah, I'm going to take care of everything. I'll talk to you next week. And he goes, it's Monday morning. I'm in the shop. And he matched my estimate line for line. This was wow. a guy five, $7,000 off of everything I paid for the last six months. And I thought I was going to kick this insurer out and put a sign up that says, we don't do this insurer anymore. Right, right. And now he's, he's paying and matching me to the penny. And I went, yeah, because now he likes you and you like him. You guys bonded mm-hmm. on something and, and yeah. it was never a technical problem. It was a, I don't like you problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a cool story. I like mm-hmm. it. Well, and you had also mentioned something about what, I think it was something about what insurers are being taught how to communicate. Was it something like yeah. that? Yeah, so we broke down one of the, one of my jobs as a as a corporate claim trainer was to train new adjusters, bodily injury adjusters, SIU, everything. And we we teach them a lot of psychology about how to talk to people, how to read them. Mm. Um, why we say some of the things we say is not because somebody just magically said it one day and turned around, took their headset off, and went, "Hey, that worked, right?" I mean, there were consumer behavioral psychologists and psychologists that worked which I thought was really interesting when I was in that corporate yeah. level. Yeah. So we broke down a little bit of that training and kind of the science that was behind it. And then mm. when here's why, you know, do you guys ever really wonder why is it that the insurer never physically sees the consumer through this whole process, but they still control them right? face to face with them, but the insurer has more influence over them than we do. And it was right. some science behind that mm. um, and how that worked out. And here are some things you can do to do the same thing that, the insurer does. And one of it is don't make it a fight. It's not a divorce, right? We think of yeah. mom and dad are getting a divorce and there's a kid in the middle. Yeah. That's what this looks like. You guys get in the middle. The kids are in the middle, the customer. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad are over here fighting, right? right? Right. And then we're asking the kids to choose. Yeah. And some of us get really adamant about the consumer choosing us and taking mm-hmm. our side and fighting mm-hmm. the good fight and doing all that. They just want their car fixed. Yeah. You know? I know. The insurer does a really good job. So we started hiring people with no experience. And so they, I hear the complaint all the time. I, the out person out here telling me how to fix a car can never change a flat tire. That was on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't need them to be a technician. I wanted them to be able to take care of my customer, right? right. First. And right. they, those people were really good at people skills because mm. they knew they didn't have technical skills. And right. you're here still trying to lead with your technical skills and thinking that you don't need to have people skills because you're technical. Right, right. Or the consumer get personal. If you want to open a business that never talks to a consumer, get technical. Yeah, yeah. Or go be a tech again, but get out of the front office. Yeah, yeah. It's like communication just totally missing each other. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you speak German, I speak Spanish, but we're trying to talk to each other. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the whole thing is so interesting. I find it fascinating, really. I I so wish I could have been a part of your classes. Um, I'm sure all the other stuff you talked about, because you have... So much great information. So is this the kind of thing that you like work with shops on? Is that part of what Collision Hub does? So so two things we're doing this year. One, after I looked at all the research data that came back from Accenture, there's a pivot. Like there's a lot of things I'd like to talk about on or teach 
but the consumer's not there. And mm. and there's no point in me telling a shop to pay me to give them something that I don't think that they're going to be able to use right now. Yeah. So right. we went and looked back and pulled all that kind of customer service, empathy training that we used to do for insurance companies and said, I'm just going to repurpose a lot of this and I'm going to start delivering it for body shops. Mm. Um, nice. And then the second thing we did is, is I believe that body shops are going to become, have to become more like claims adjusters. They're going to have to understand claims law. They're going to have to be able to write intelligent emails, you know, mm-hmm. not that I think you should pay me emails. Um, <laughs> and with the caps. right language in them. Yeah, you have to learn how to speak German, so to speak, and, and write the yeah, right language. Yeah. <clears throat> so we re we resurfaced claim school. So we took what, what would have been the three-week introductory claim school, and we're going to be launching that out for body shops to take it, giving it a little bit of a body shop twist. Nice. And then when we're out consulting shops, I spend pretty much all my time just working on the front office, going, mm. you, know, you eat the elephant one bite at a time. Yeah. And we've got to decide what are your... What are your emergencies that we need to work on? And typically it's estimators and customer service. Yeah. The people that speak publicly. I always say all of us have somebody in the body shop that should never open their mouth. Like they're not allowed to <laughs> yes. speak. Yes. So put <laughs> yeah. them somewhere. They may be a great estimator, but they do not even need to be in the lobby where they might right. actually encounter another human. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but that's typically what we spend a lot of time doing and then breaking down and teaching them how to make connections. Most body shop owners were techs that right. decided one day to open their own body shop. Yeah. And that worked for a lot of years. Yeah. And we all, some of us made really good money mm-hmm. kind of grunting. The customer comes in and we go, uh, and yeah. the customer uses the keys and we go, uh, yeah, yeah. But we never really had a meaningful discussion with them. Yeah. Those days are over in a, in a post COVID world, the consumer wants to feel special and, mm-hmm. and collision repair isn't really special. So, yeah. <laughs> so I got to work really hard to find touch points because the actual physicality of what I do mm-hmm. isn't touchy feely. But if I right. want them to remember my name in four months, I, mean, I can't hug them. I'll get sued for that. But I mean, yeah. I can, yeah. I can, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, I've got to figure out how to get a really bit more. I got to soften it down a little bit. Mm-hmm and let them have a safe space. And I got to not feel like they have to choose between mom or dad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then the more freedom I give them to choose, they will typically choose me. Right. Sometimes because sometimes consumers like Kristen, you're just too much. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, yeah I get okay. it. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, so we'll go out and spend probably three days on site with a shop. Okay, and, cool. And go through doing employee assessments, performances. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I have to tell somebody you're not allowed to speak again. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we'll come up with training plans for each of those employees. And nice. we'll spend the next six months after that, taking them through soft skills mm. and business writing classes for emails. And I mean, it's there's a nice. I feel like I'm back teaching claim school again to new hires. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I think it's so necessary. I think the return on that, if we're talking like ROI, the return <laughs> on that investment for a shop could be huge. So far, um, the feedback's been great. They, there's the yeah. fight. Why do I have to teach? Why do I have to learn how to do the insurance company's job? They mm. should learn how to do it. I go, you're right. But yeah, if I want this person to write me a check. Yeah. I'm going to learn to say whatever they need me to say to get that check. Well, of course. Yeah. So, yeah. So we could, I, I would love it if they would, if the insurers would go back to training adjusters the way they did, but that's never coming back because their turnover yeah. is so high. Yeah. There's no possible way to re-implement claim school. I don't see it. I'm right. Not, a lot of people still... I've been out of corporate for a long, long time, but I right now looking at it could, with the turnover ratio could never even think of reinitiating claim school because the cost of it would be... I, oh, I, don't I know. know how to do it. So yeah. Yeah. Um, that's not coming back. We're not getting any of those adjusters from 1997 ever again. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> either we can change or we can close. Those are our two options. Yeah. Yeah. Put the ego aside for a minute and let's try to move forward yeah. to get and that's, what you I really tell want. Shop, it's a great kind because I tell shops, there's probably nobody that has a bigger ego than I do. <laughs> um, and and, I, and it's, it's a close race between me and Larry. But I I have a huge ego. I mean, it takes up the whole room of a lot of times where I go. And I have to tell myself, it's not about me. It's about the consumer. Yeah. My agenda doesn't matter. Mm. And, you know, I can go to an industry event and rant and rave all I want. But when the Mm. customer's in front of me, shut up. Yeah. That's just it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, Kristen, I'm going to put all your information in the description below so they can reach out to you if they want. Kristen and Collision Hub, they have so many resources. So I'm going to put the website down there. I know you have an email list. Can they get on the email list through your website? Yeah, Yeah, you can go in and register to get on the distribution list. You can also hit a chat box. And sometimes if I'm online, you end up chatting with me. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Good morning. Just say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's super cool. I'm I, I'm on your email list, and a lot of the things that Kristen and her team put puts out are so cool and useful. I mean, like recently your QC sheet that you guys came out with and stuff like that. And every, there's a lot of shops that kind of made their own, but you guys really kind of dialed it in for shops. So, uh, so many cool, useful tools and trainings and everything else. So hopefully, I can have you back on. We can talk about some other things that you guys do for people. Awesome. So thanks, Kristen, for coming on. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. And goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Body Banging Podcast. See you next time. If you enjoyed today's show, make sure you hit the subscribe button. We have some incredible topics and guests coming your way you will not want to miss. If you are watching on YouTube and don't want to miss the latest and greatest, you'll want to hit the bell after subscribing so you will get a pop-up each time a video podcast goes live. To our devoted fans, would you mind paying it forward and sharing this little gem with someone else you think may benefit from it? Much love from all of us here at Body Bangin', all things auto body.